thanks for being here. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, oh, I start with the same question. What are we talking about when we talk about mental health? No, I always try and look at it positively. And, and I, I, I get there's a massive negative connotation to mental health, but also there can be a massive positive um, connotation to mental health. If, if you're in a good mood, you're in a good mood and the place of the world is a better place. I will always, in, in the work I do, try and you know, link work with, with mental health, and we'll come on to that, I'm sure. Um, it, to me, it's as much about mental well-being as it is mental health. Um, and I, I, I think about mental injury rather than mental illness. Um, and I think that there's lots of people that get over injury. There's lots of people that get to learn to deal with injury. Um, and I think there's quite a lot of negativity around mental ill health or mental health. Um, mental illness, mental injury, because we've all got it a bit. We all have shit days. We uh, have all had difficult periods in our life, um, and that will affect you mentally. You and I will have the same experiences and can look at it quite differently because we've got different backgrounds, different structure, different DNA, whatever it may be. Does work nowadays give people their sort of main source of purpose, do you think? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think that whether it's their main source of purpose, I don't know. But when you're in the army or the military, you sometimes you forget you get paid. You know, sometimes you're doing a job that you've grown up always wanting to do or you've fallen into or your dad told you you had to do it or, or whatever. Um, and by and large, you enjoyed that job. Um, and, and I think that sometimes we forget that you get your mojo from doing the job you do. Sometimes, as I said, you know, we have crap days in the military, sometimes we have great days. We always remember the great days and, and less of the crap days. Um, and that sense of purpose when you're seeking civilian employment, when you're leaving or left the military, is hugely important because that's what makes you tick, right? And, and, and a lot of the conversations I have with individuals who are transitioning or, or looking for career changes is understanding that. I read a book years ago sounds like a wise old man, called um, the, the Element by a guy called Ken Robinson, Sir Ken Robinson, um, who's an English professor of education, if there is such a thing. Um, and the premise of the book is find your element, find what it is you enjoy, because the chances are you're going to be better at that, and therefore you'll get on better and you'll be happier, and those around you will be happier and, and everything is good. And often when you join the military, you're in your element because you're with your mates, you're doing a good job, you get bags of leave, um, and actually, we go to some pretty cool places, right? Um, and you get paid. Now, when you leave the military, unless you're lucky, you don't necessarily get that. But it's going out and finding, understanding where you can get your mojo back. So you're leaving the military and you might get your purpose from work. You might get your purpose from being a scout leader. How important is job satisfaction on mental health? Enjoying your job. And I, and I don't know what the stats are, but we spend a lot of time at work eight hours a day or whatever um, so it's a big chunk of our lives uh, and if that big chunk is not very good then it's going to have a negative impact on you so enjoying your work enjoying the work you do believing the work that you do believing that you're valued and working in a good team or a good organization is clearly going to have a positive impact on you and, and those around you you know try to find the organization rather than the job because if you're leaving the navy or the RAF or the army you're part of a pretty big organisation and you've done half a dozen jobs during your career or more, um, but you're within that organisation um, and you like that organisation because you joined the Army, the Navy or the RAF. Um, and when you leave, look at the organisation rather than look at the job. And again, it sounds far easier sat here than, than it did in my case five or six years ago, 
But if you join the right organisation, you will grow within that organisation. If you join the organisation that want you as a veteran or a service leaver because they value the, the, what you can add to their organisation, then they will allow you to stretch your legs and stretch your wings and, and make a name for yourself and make mistakes, which I think is important as well. A good organisation will have a, vent, a veterans network within that organisation. You can hit them up and say, look, this is me. I'm about to leave the RAF next month. I don't know what I want to do next, but I quite like the look of your organisation. How can you help? For people who aren't really sure what they are wanting to go into, hmm. um, which industries are generally best for that? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, when, when we started to dust off Job Up a couple of years ago, you know, I, I said, as I joined, I, I think we need to have a sector focus. So Job Up will, will, at the moment, as it stands, you know, we focus on, on 12 different sectors. Now, those sectors, I'm not going to sit here and roll them off because I can't remember them, but um, security, construction, logistics, manufacturing, the third sector, uh, all sectors that are attractive and receptive to people with a military background. Um, I'm not saying the others aren't, um, and it's based on a bit of science and a bit of research and a bit of gut feel and a bit of my own network. But uh, you know, look at security, for example. There's clearly, you know, a lot of common themes and common links um, leaving the military and going into security. And again, a lot of the work that we're doing within those sectors is to say, look, don't go and do security because you want to be a security guard, or don't not do security because you don't want to be a security guard. If that makes sense. There's a lot of different jobs in the security sector. There's facilities management is another sector we're looking at. Again, facilities management is, for intents and purposes, as much like the military as, as the military. There are you know, a breadth and depth of jobs. I think that when you join the military, you join at 19, 20, 21, whatever, and you know bugger all about the real world, and you know bugger all about the real world when you leave. You've heard of Coca-Cola, you've heard of BMW, you've heard of you know these big organisations. You think, well, I'm going to go and work with Coca-Cola. Well, actually, maybe that's not the organisation. Maybe there's a smaller soft drink company um, that you would fit in better to, but you don't know about it. You've never heard about them. And they will pay you just as much. They will give you the benefits that, to your job you want. They will allow you to get your mojo and your values, and, and, and you will agree with their direction of travel. But because you've never heard of them two years ago doesn't necessarily mean to say you know, that, that they don't exist. What advice would you give to those people who maybe leave and feel that their work is beginning to negatively impact their mental health? I think that's very difficult for you or us to realise that when we're in the middle of it. It's easy again to sit here and say, you know, listen to those around you, listen to your mates, ask your mates. If your wife tells you you turned into a bit of a dick um, and that might be associated with the fact that you, know, you don't enjoy your job, maybe it's, you should be listening to that. Or you spend a big percentage of your time at work, in work, doing work, and transition or, or, or a civilian job very rarely gives you what you had in the military. Um, and I think, again, it's just having your eyes open to that. There is a, you know, there is a big link. Recognising when you're a bit down in the dumps recognising why that, why that might be the case and work out how you can try and fix that. Does that mean you go and knock on your boss's door and say, hey, look, I'm not happy? Does that mean you, you know, keep your LinkedIn profile polished and you keep your CV looking and you keep networking and saying, well, I'm not happy at the moment and I'm going to change that within the next six or 12 months and this is how? Yeah. How can people start to get into networking if they've never really had to ever do it in the military? Well... I think everyone does network in the military, actually. Um, I think we don't know that because we don't call it that. Um, 
and I think it's it's very much a natural talent that people have that don't recognise. Um, you move from a job to another job. You go on a course, and you go on a course, and you're in a room with other people you've probably never met before. Um, you get to meet those people, you get to work with those people. There's a network. Um, you've got the ability to get on with people. You've got the ability to find out who can help you, who needs to be going to go in your little black book, um, and who doesn't. And I think that. Again, the advice I always give people that are leaving the military or who left the military a long time ago is that the veterans community is the most powerful community and network there is out there. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. That it doesn't matter what colour your uniform, what colour your skin, who you are, where you came from, people will help you. I mean, you know, we're talking now um, because we both served in the military, right? It's about looking after number one. It's about saying, okay, I am now leaving the military. I have to manage my own transition. I have to make things happen. And the only way, and not the only way, but the one of the best ways I can, I can make things happen is by working out who I know, what strings I can pull, and never be afraid to pull a string. How did Jobhopper start? And for anybody who maybe hasn't come across it yet, how does it work? So Jobhopper was founded by a chap called Kai McBell, um, who's an RAF veteran himself, um, and he, left the military, um, had a bit of a bumpy transition himself um, and decided he wanted to set up a employment platform that took away all the white noise and the nonsense, wasn't full of recruitment jargon and actually did what it said on the tin. The organisation was, uh, was put on the shelf for a couple of years um, and then uh, about 18 months ago it was dusted off, I came on board. At the centre of what we do is a jobs board, so we work with employment partners who want to employ veterans and service leavers for whatever reason, and there are a variety of reasons that people want to do that. So we educate people, we help other people educate, we introduce, we provide insight, about, like I said before, about you know, this is the security sector. Listen to John, Johnny and Jane, who have been in the security sector for five years, and they can provide you that advice. They will provide you their black book of contacts. They will say, do this and don't do that. They will say, maybe have a look at this organisation, steer clear of that organisation, and you know, take that with a pinch of salt. And you have a, a new app? Yeah, so we, we launched um, a community-based app late last year um, that, again, it's a peer-to-peer community. Um, everyone that's, that's a member of the community is a veteran or service leaver. Um, everyone within that community is either looking for a job, going to be looking for a job, keen to help other people find a job um, and, 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 you know, give something back. And, you know, quite often people knock on our door and say, look, I made a successful transition or I had a crap transition. Um, I am now here in my life. How can I help other people? Um, and we provide the platform for them to be able to do that. For people to say, look, I am leaving the Navy in three years time. I've got no idea what I want to do next. Can you help? They've got three years to, you know, to, to work it out. Or I left the RAF two months ago and I still don't know what I want to do. Can anyone please help? And that please help can be, I can give you a job tomorrow. Or that please help can be, you know, come in, let me mentor you, let me provide you access to my network um, and uh, you know, go from there. So it's, it's good stuff. Do you think there are many companies out there, because I've seen a few people post on LinkedIn, um, where they've applied for particularly, I think, civil service jobs where they've kind of said military will get priority mm. and then they've sort of got to a, a final point where it's been a little bit of a, feels like a little bit of a tick in the box kind mm. of advertisement. Do you think there's a lot of that out there? Or do you think actually there's considerably more people who are wanting to work to support veterans into, into work? There's definitely a lot of white noise. 
Um, and, you know, without sounding overly cynical, that there are people that sign the Isles Horses Covenant um, and there are people that, that get the, the gold, silver or bronze employment recognition scheme, rosette or badge because it sits neatly in their marketing mm. portfolio um, rather than anything to do with HR or operations or, or, or performance. Um, and that's quite frustrating. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that I, as many people, you know, when I was looking for work, got down to the last two or three and then was given the old, oh, we've gone with Johnny because he's got more industry experience or commercial experience or sector experience, it's like, well, you know, when you looked at my CV three months ago, you knew who I was and where I came from. Um, and I, I, I do think that, again, going into that transition period with your eyes open, that if you've got, if you've had quite an interesting military background and your CV reflects that and is relatively well written, people will want to talk to you because they're interested in you as much as interested in the value you can add to their organisation. And that can be a bit crap that, you know, are you only talking to me because I've done some cool stuff in my military career or are you talking to me because you think I could be good at that job and you don't know that until you get to the end. Um, but having said that, you know, there are lots of organisations out there who, you know, who actively promote themselves and promote opportunities and promote their organisation. You know, there's clients of ours that, that come to us and they say, look, you know, we've got lots of jobs at the moment, we've got lots of jobs around the corner but we want to talk to as many veterans and service leavers as we can and we will you know, make sure that they are listened to and there's guaranteed interview schemes and all that. You, know, you mentioned the civil service and that is a hideous application process. Um, but again, there are organisations out there who say, look, we've got an armed forces champion. This is Dave and Dave left the military five years ago and Dave said, I will happily talk to anyone who's leaving the military or is interested in joining this organisation. And Dave will have a coffee, a virtual or, or a real one, and say, look, this is the situation. I know your CV says this. I know your background. If you were ten years in the navy and you were, you know, you came from this, this trader arm, then I kind of recognise your skill set and where you can where you can add your value. And then you know, he can work his own internal network to say, look, this person here would actually be great for our organisation. Can we shoehorn them into something? Job descriptions are written in HR ninja language, but no one understands. Least of all, the HR department quite often. Um, and I was speaking to a couple of sort of people who are part of our community recently, and and one in particular, lady who'd been in the RAF, uh, sorry, in the army for twenty years, nineteen twenty years, was just bamboozled by the nonsense that that these job descriptions are written in, um, and then it becomes well, I can't do that, therefore I can't do that job, and as I say, look, well, well that means that, that means that, that means that. It doesn't say that because it's written by some muppet who, who doesn't know what they're talking about either, and actually, if you tick six out of ten of those boxes then that's a fairly good ratio we were talking uh, a little bit earlier weren't we about the king's college study that i'd read recently about mm. uh, occupation different experiences and viewpoints of veterans compared to non-veterans um sort of summarizing it there have been no significant difference in mental health mentioned um both had reported some form of physical injury at some point during their career um down to their occupation so there actually wasn't really that much of a difference in what might be more stereotyped towards veterans, the mental health, mm. or the physical injuries, um, which can sometimes prevent recruiters from looking at or hiring veterans. So what would you say to those companies who do exclude veterans or don't particularly actively look at veterans? Well, it's not what would I say, it's what we do say, you know, and say on a regular basis. And as I say, you know, some of those conversations are far easier. Um, 
But the better conversation from my perspective and our perspective is to get people to change their mind, is to challenge those perceptions and say, look, you know, why don't you employ more veterans? And, and don't do it because you feel sorry for them because that really annoys me. Don't do it because you think they're all broken. Um, do it because they can add value to your organisation and they can increase your performance. There are a lot of organisations a lot of organisations out there that, that, that get it. Um, and it's using those successes to demonstrate to other people. Do you get many people coming through your platform who do have no mental health issues or physical issues? Because there are, you know, people with varying levels, whether they're civilian or military, of physical injury or mental health issues. Um, but it does seem like it is a stereotype that has been put on veterans that they will all be at, you know, significant levels of it and that makes them yeah. unable to function in, in a workplace but actually there are a lot of people out there aren't there who I suppose whether they're veteran or not who might have PTSD they might have some depression they might have whether it be a physical injury from a bad back all the way yeah. to your amputations um, who are very very capable of working do you get a lot of people kind of come through who maybe have any of those what might be seen as issues um, yeah. but actually it isn't an issue yeah, absolutely. You know, as we said at the start, uh, and I, I would see mental injury, mental illness, and physical illness as a, on a spectrum, right? So, and I've some good friends of mine have had very, very, very serious PTSD. You know, sadly, some of them are ending their own life. Um, and I've also got lots of friends who have a shit day at the other end of the spectrum, um, and they are depressed or they are stressed and you know and that can wax away and that goes and comes comes back again that doesn't necessarily mean that we're all in the same boat and that's been a very easy picture for organizations in the charitable sector to a, to a degree but also manifested itself in the in the mainstream media that, that it's very easy to say help johnny because johnny's bad help johnny because if because you know he needs your help he served his nation and now he's broken well we're not all broken and and one of the key drivers behind Job Oppo doing what we do, and I don't make I don't make any apologies for this, but I think there's some stats and there's oodles of stats that you know four percent of people leave the military with with um, mental injury of some some form. Even in my crap maths, that means there's ninety six ish percent that that don't. Um, and we try and represent those ninety six as loudly as as other organisations represent the four, um, because that's quite. A, interesting balance to try and reset and and one negatively impacts the other you know people will not get a job because they think that we're all bad sad and mad we had a hr director um speak to a colleague of mine a couple of weeks ago and said look what do i do with all people with ptsd and i was just flabbergasted that that's that's a hr director who thinks that we've all got ptsd well or that we have it and can't Function. Well, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's it. But you know, where so where does that come from, right? You know, one there's an education piece about what PTSD is, and, and I think the D is is a horrible word anyway. Um, and as a, you know, for me, it's a spectrum. Um, and there are people out there who who have it and function with it and manage it. It's like, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but it's like having a, a bad knee or a bad back that you learn to deal with it. Some days you have really bad days. And, and you have to have time off work or you have to do whatever you need to do or find a different way. Other days you just you learn to, learn to live with it. And, and it, it doesn't own and it shouldn't own people's lives. You've touched on it a little bit um, in one of your previous answers, but two 
a recruiter who might be listening to this say, what do veterans bring to the workforce? Veterans will, will bring a can-do attitude. Um, and again, it's easy for me to sit here and say that because there are bad veterans out there as well, right? Um, but by and large, from an employer's point of view, a veteran will roll their sleeves up and get on with it. And I've said that before. Um, a veteran will look around problems. A veteran will seek out problems sometimes because they get bored. Um, a veteran um, will want to prove themselves as a human being and an individual, but also because of the community they represent. And I think that's quite important as well, that, that you know, we are all proud members of a regiment or proud members of a corps or, or a service. And then when we leave that, we are then proud veterans, I think. Um, so you want to be able to wave that flag proudly. So if you are looking to recruit someone and you, you, know, you want someone that's going to make a difference, you want someone that's going to crack on, you want someone that's going to think laterally, then you could go a lot worse than to, to look to recruit a veteran or service leaver. I think individually, you know, over the last 20 years, you look at the complex environments that people have worked in, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq, prime example, and, and the Balkans and Northern Ireland and all the rest that's gone on with that. Complex situations, you know, requiring complex thoughts and actions that will always have had a strategic outcome. Now, this could be a 19-year-old kid from Stoke-on-Trent who joined the army because there was nothing else to go on in Stoke-on-Trent. Um, was trained, you know, to operate three different vehicles, five weapon systems, four different radio sets, speak or converse in some languages. Um, and know that what he did or didn't do at a certain minute could have a massive implication on what's on the front page of the newspaper at home um, and how his regiment or his, his organisation was represented. And that's a, you know, a young person who, who's come from nothing and gone on and made a real difference. And I think that that kind of strategic outlook is overlooked, actually. In the military, we are used to generally start our day with an hour's fizz. Do you think that workforces could improve overall mental health, not just towards veterans, but also civvies that are there, by introducing half an hour of yoga or an, an hour's gym time into the work day? Yeah, of course I can. I mean, you know, the, the links between mental and physical health are, are there um, in black and white. Um, but it takes a long-term vision rather than a short-term vision. And sadly, businesses have a short-term vision. It's about performance and productivity now, not in three years' time. Now, you know, again, in the military, you need to be fit and healthy to be able to do your job properly. There's almost a side effect of that. It means you're happier and better and more able. But if for a, for a civilian employer to say, okay, I've got you for eight hours a day and I'm going to give away an, you know, an hour of that for you to go and be happy and, and add benefit to me in three years' time or five years' time, it's difficult and you know there are some organizations that say well you know we'll put a bean bag in the corridor or we'll put a pool table downstairs um, and we'll you know we'll, we'll give you a survey every six months to make sure you're okay um, you know that that's tokenism to a certain degree it's short-term ism if that's a thing gps well they've already started to a certain degree but should and will start to prescribe activity or prescribe well physical physical health get out and get some fresh air, you know, without being too cynical, the pharmaceutical industry oh, makes a lot of money. It amazes me why more doctors don't say, bugger off and have a walk for an hour every day, 
rather than take these tablets every morning. And I think that, you know, going back to what we spoke about in terms of, you know, the post-traumatic stress, um, that quite often I would think there's a lot of other ways of, of helping that. Um, and I think that in certain individuals that becomes clear that actually, you know, I don't need these tablets, I need my mates, or I need fresh air, or I need, I need some other way of dealing with this because sometimes, and tablets, medication works for some people, but not for others. My final question for you really is just around remote working because we're seeing a massive shift now, aren't we, in, in the workplace. Um, different people will find it better working at home, worse working at home. Um, do we think remote working is going to have an impact on mental health? I think it has had a positive impact already. Um, you know, Again, lots of people we talk to at the moment who are leaving the military, they want the hybrid working environment. They want again a bit like when you're in the military they don't want two days ever to be the same and that's when I, remember when I was leaving I thought you know I don't know what I want to do but what I don't want to do is work in an office nine to five um, there are more jobs like that now than there were three four five years ago um, so I think that will have a positive impact I think that that interestingly in my my journey I worked remotely five years ago um, worked from home five years ago um, before it was a thing and that was cool because I was at home, but actually it was quite lonely sometimes as well. It was lonely because I, I, you know, I went to boarding school, so I was with the lads. I joined the army, I was with the lads. I played sport, I was with the lads. I, I did a civic job, I was on my own. Um, and not only was I on my own physically, but also I wasn't then part of that team environment and wasn't able to pick up what was necessary and what was going on around. So. Um, it's a bit of a throwaway, I think, to say that you know the hybrid model will work for everyone. Um, but it's horses for courses, I think. And, and actually, on the plus side, when I look at where I am at the moment, that I can take my kids to school. Um, I can juggle calls and sit outside the, the, the school playground and, and do a team's call in my car. And that's normal now. You know, people, people still accept that. And my organisation, Touchwood, recognised that you know, I will do my job. Um, regardless of what time it happens or how I make it happen. And if, and if, if it doesn't happen, well then let's have a chat about that. Um, and I think that again, the environment that, that military people have grown up in over the last 20 years means that I can do that. I can adapt. I can understand what the, what the requirements are, the kind of bigger picture, that mission, that, that strategic outcome. And I, I'll get there. I might get there a different way to you'll get there, but I'll get there. We'll both get there. Um, and nothing to say that you're right and I'm wrong or vice versa. Okay. Thank you for your time. Thanks, mate. <laughs>